Con Radio, presented by Wizard World. Radio for geeks. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. Now at Majorspoilers.com. Arthur, I'll be in here. Quiet now, I'm recording. Hello. Tick here. <clears throat> you, my friend, well, if you're an evildoer, cover your ears because you are listening to the Canned Air Podcast, which is nothing but Keen Spoon! All right, Arthur, you can come out now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Can Dare, a tribute to comics and pop culture right here on Wizard World's Con Radio. I am Jeremy Colley. And I am Jack Doherty. And I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today from the comic Lake Imago is Jamaica Dyer and Eddie Wright. Thanks so much for being with us, guys. Hello, it's good to be here. We're excited to have you. We have a good show lined up for you today. We're going to be talking about the worst, the best worst movies, I guess. So I was uh, understood it was just straight up bad movies. Oh well, I mean, I think there's some that are so bad that they're category almost. You know, I'm done here. There's too much mince information. (laughs) Uh, then we're going to be uh, jumping into the comic dump bin, talking about some stuff we've been uh, reading. Uh, myself, the spectacular Spider-Man from uh, the 80s. What do you guys got? I got Monstrous. Ooh. And I have got the comic adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Ooh, very, very cool. So uh, that'll be pretty cool. And then we're oh. going to turn our attention over to Jamaica and Eddie and talk about Lake Imago. Uh, but before we get started, one thing uh, we have to mention uh, that we didn't get to mention last week is, uh, of course, everyone knows by now, but uh, Prince has passed away, and that was really hard to hear. He was a huge, huge part of the 80s and 90s. Yeah. I mean, just a defining sound, you know? It's been a bad year for influential artists. It really has. Reason, yeah. You know? Yeah, it really has. Uh, were you guys Prince fans at all? It's, it's one of those things I never really pursued as music. I can't claim to be a fan, but he was everywhere. You know, he was always on the periphery of whatever I was listening yeah. to, so you got to respect that. Sure. And so, absolutely. What about you, Eddie, in Jamaica? I'm, so, I, I'm, I'm the same. He, he never really... I, I, I just... It, it's not that I didn't like him, or I just... I, I didn't avoid him for any reason. It just didn't happen for me. But I, I feel like the the positive side of these when these things happen is it's a it's a good chance to rediscover someone. That's true. Absolutely. Or to discover for the first time. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I kind of fall in that same category where I, you know, never sat and listened through a Prince album, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. The, the only thing I really knew was his uh, soundtrack for Batman. You know, Michael <laughs> Keaton's Batman, which wasn't a great album, but there's a couple songs. You know, yeah. like when. Uh, the Joker's painting up the museum or the, the parade at the end, those songs there. <laughs> yeah. Love them. But uh, he, you can't deny what a great guitar player he was. There's a video of him playing While My Guitar Gently Weeps with like Tom Petty, Eric Clapton, Jeff Lynne, and 
It's just jaw-droppingly good. He was an amazing guitar player. That's going to be one to check out, then. I haven't seen that. Oh, he was a good bassist, too. Yeah, I saw a video over the weekend of him just slapping the hell out of a bass. I'm no Prince expert, but there were I don't even remember what album it was, but some of his early albums, like he'd play absolutely everything yeah. on there. Every instrument, everything. That's incredible. I know every time I hear Let's Get Nuts, that song gets cranked up as loud as it can. Oh, yeah. Pussy Control. Or Let's Go Crazy. That's what it was. Let's Go Crazy. Oh, yeah. Some good ones. Some good <laughs> ones there. So, anyway, rest in peace, Prince. Um, thanks for all the work you've left behind. And with that, let's just jump right into this week's Retro Roundtable. Hold on to your butts. All right, everyone. Worst movies. Who would like to uh, kick it off? Who wants to go first? Should we keep uh, Mario Brothers off the table since we've talked about that one? Ooh, so yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to add that one to my list, but I held back for that very reason. <laughs> In that same vein, I think uh, Con Air is probably my favorite oh, best worst movie. Yeah. But we went off on such a tangent mm, with Con Air. That's a fine line. Because oh, as bad as it, it is, I love it. I know. That's I the thing. It. It's like it's the <laughs> guilt-free guilty pleasure. Something about it is just good enough. Oh, I got you a ripped up rabbit, baby girl. <laughs> yeah. What about oh, so uh, good. Eddie in Jamaica? Worst movies? Uh, mine is, um, I think it's an underappreciated best worst movie. Well, I, I took it as to mean best worst movie as well. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, Eddie and the Cruisers 2, Eddie Lives. Oh, I've I don't seen know. that, but I don't remember enough to, I've never seen that to, one. to talk about it. It's quite possibly the worst thing ever made, but it's so <laughs> wonderfully charming. It's basically uh, Eddie and the Cruisers one is is about this Bruce Springsteen ripoff Jersey Shore. Uh, by the way, I'm my name is Eddie and I am from New Jersey, and so <laughs> that's <laughs> it's not a, uh, I might home. like it for glad uh, we cleared uh, the air. <laughs> yeah, but it's about this New Jersey uh, Jersey Shore rock band that's really terrible, but they're you know they're supposed to be as great as someone like Bruce Springsteen. And uh, at the end of Eddie and the Cruisers 1, Eddie dies in a car accident. Uh, Eddie and the Cruisers 2, Eddie turns out he faked his death and he's living in Montreal as a construction worker named Joe West who <laughs> looks exactly like Eddie, but he has a mustache. Oh, of uh, course. Um, it's like the Clark Kent with the glasses on kind of thing. Yeah. Nobody has any idea. Um, and so the, the movie is basically a, a, a rediscovery of who Eddie was, and he... he uh, reveals himself at the end and everybody flips out even though it's like 25 years later and somehow everybody has remembered this mediocre <laughs> Jer Jersey Shore bar rock band that really was quite terrible it's, there, there are scenes in that movie that um, are baffling uh, there's a scene when Eddie and his girlfriend are sitting I forget where they are, they're in the woods somewhere and he just kind of glances up, and there's his sax player, who's very, very loosely based on Clarence from the E Street Band, standing on top of a waterfall playing the saxophone. <laughs> I think that's going to be just, my new wallpaper for my computer at home. It's, it's, it really is the best thing ever. There's another scene where he's burning all of his music because he's such an interesting, introspective, artistic rock star. <laughs> of course. And he, and he says... Uh, uh, these songs don't even burn good. 
Oh my god. <laughs> That's horrible. Must be so I think tortured and yeah. deep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you have to be like 16 to say something like that, but this guy's like 45. These records don't um, burn good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, awesome. so it, it's it's really, a, I think, a, it's one of the, it's a movie that I don't know why it hasn't uh, been picked up as one of those terrible cult movies, but it should. Yeah, right. so that's my pick. Add it to the list because that sounds magical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's got that great song, The Dark Side, at the end of the first one. Yeah. Well, well, what's also great about Eddie and the Cruisers 2 is that it basically has Eddie and the Cruisers 1 in it as a bunch of flashbacks. Like, it, there are so many flashbacks in the movie that you can see the entire first movie as flashbacks in the what? second movie. You don't even have to <laughs> yeah. do any homework. Yeah. Just jump right in. Wow. It's all there for you. Yeah. They're it's really wonderful. looking out for the lazy viewer there. Yeah, really. Nice. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. What about you, Jamaica? Well, I think we all have to go see Eddie and the Cruisers now and do our homework. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Clear your schedule. <laughs> so I chose a movie that I tried to watch again recently, uh, and it's V for Vendetta. Oh, I love that movie. That movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I remember liking it and I tried to rewatch it on Netflix and I found it completely unwatchable. There are some and things that it, just don't hold up on the second viewing. Right. It was intense cuz I had some really fond memories of it but like I couldn't stand V at all. <laughs> Yeah, and at least he's not a big part of the story or anything. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. I think it's partially ruined by Bane because it's the same accent. <laughs> oh wow! I see where you're coming from. I didn't even think. So about that was that. super weird. Like, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't stand the way he talked, and he wears that mask the entire time, so you don't get to see any see yeah, any right. facial acting. That was one thing about it, too. Like, uh, they always hint at what's behind the mask, and you always see, like, peeking around his glove or around the corner of his mask, like, a horribly burnt-up figure, you know, but I, I they wish, never reveal it. I wish movies would just leave Hugo Weaving's face alone. It's like, <laughs> they overdid it with the mask in V. They, like, underdid it somehow with Red Skull. <laughs> you know, it's just... Yeah. The man's got expression. Let him use it, for God's sake. Right. It's like that Willem yeah, Dafoe Green Goblin thing. <laughs> Yeah, good point. Good point. Did they change the the mask a little bit to give it a little more character to like a little more emotion? I think just they like a little exaggerated. It's got kind some, of like a Harlequin mask. What do you mean going. the Guy Fox mask or the yeah the Guy Fox? Mask. No, oh, they, it was no, the same. I, I, time. I, no, I'm not saying no. I, I'm saying, I, oh, I don't know. I oh, guess okay. is what I'm saying. I'm sorry. You almost had a fight on your hands. <laughs> you know Throwing down right now. <laughs> I love that mask. I have one in the closet right there. Nice. Yeah. Maybe I just alienated myself telling you guys that. Get out. (laughs) (laughs) We'll finish it. (laughs) Oh, man. What about you, Jack? The Stupids. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen that. It's so bad, but I I don't know. There's something about it. I always got to watch it. I don't know if it's this... Even hearing the title, it's just no effort was put into that movie. No No one proofread the script. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it all, the family goes on a big adventure to find out, to find this man's sender, because he steals all people's mail. Because mm. you ever see a mail that says return, return to, to sender. sender. Yeah. Oh, good God. Oh, my God. It was horrible, but I, every time I think about it, I just sit there and laugh at the, the absurdness of most of it. <laughs> what about you? All right. I've, this is probably, oh, God. I'll admit it, this is one of my favorite movies in general. It was so bad and so much fun to watch. I don't know if you've heard of The Miami Connection. No. Mm-mm. It's a movie that was made, I think, in like 
the late 90s, but it's got like an early 80s feel, both in terms of like the image quality and the type of storyline. It is ostensibly it's about a, a rock band called Dragon Sound. And oh all of them God. are martial artists. <laughs> of course they are. And they get into, like, musical battles with other bands who are somehow also martial artists. And mind you, at one point, their agent speaks with some record execs about pressing a deal. And then the agent and the executives get in a martial arts battle. So everybody in this universe is a martial artist, I guess. Wow. But it has the best, worst music in the entire world. The intro is... For some reason, the most violent part of the movie, there are all these ninjas waylaying some kind of Cuban drug shipment thing. <laughs> and this crazy guitar riff kicks in, and the lyrics are all like, they got an army of ninjas stealing all your cocaine. And it's like the most ridiculous <laughs> thing I've ever heard. And then halfway through the movie, they stop so like Dragon Sound can play a concert, and they play every song from start to finish, the full set list. And, and the best song in the movie is called Friends. And it's like, friends for eternity, loyalty, honesty. It's, oh if you haven't, God. you need to look it up immediately. I would, oh. I'm not going to say stop the episode and look it up, but make a note because <laughs> you can't forget it's the best thing in the world. Miami, Miami Connection. Connection. Yeah, it was just re-released by um, Draft House Films. I'll be looking that up. Oh, yeah. my God, dude. It's the best. That sounds horrible. I think you made me throw up in my mouth it. a little That's bit. That's the idea. Yeah. yeah. Just wait till you see the goddamn thing. <laughs> you know what? Speaking of horrible movies, that makes me think of another... Um, I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen... Uh, Kiss in the Phantom of the uh, Circus. Have you no. ever seen that? Oh, boy, yeah. Oh, oh, man, yeah, there's like a phantom in this amusement park. These teenagers get locked in, and they keep disappearing one by one, and Kiss is in town, and they have all their, like, comic book uh, powers, I guess, you know, and they're set loose in this park to find this phantom. It's... Oh, it's horrible. It's freaking horrible. The bit that stands out to me is like someone addresses Gene, whatever they're calling him in the movie, I can't remember, and he looks at him and he just like growls, but it's yeah. obviously like some B-roll <laughs> yeah. like stock animal noise. Yeah. It's like some crummy <laughs> panther or something. And it just doesn't make sense because it goes from like a dark scene where they're wandering around the park looking for this phantom. Next scene, they're like, it's middle of the day. <laughs> they're all sitting in director's chairs in a lawn, like in all these long robes talking oh, to man. Like, what the hell's going on That's here the you know best. But- it's like what well, there's some documentary that said most bands wanted to be the Beatles but Kiss wanted to be Coca-Cola you know they would <laughs> oh. do anything to for that brand recognition I'd say they including succeeded. make the shittiest movie on earth you want to talk about a real shitty movie um, <clears throat> remember the mummy movies with uh, Brendan Fraser oh yeah. oh yeah now the first one was fun I enjoyed that yeah. one but the it was second cool for one what it was was horrible yeah, like the pygmy mummies and such. Uh, yeah, and uh, I remember there being a scene where they uh, took off in like some blimp boat, kind of like from Teddy yeah, Ruxpin. Yeah. yeah, I was like, man, this is freaking ridiculous. But the thing that made that so bad was I think that was the one with the scorpion king. It was, yes. yeah. And the CGI at oh, the end man. was horrible. Now we talk about uh, things aging. You know, when they first come out, they're awesome, and <laughs> later down the road, after you know technology has progressed, they look horrible. This wasn't the case. Even I, then, I saw this yeah. in the movie theater, and even then, at it the was time, horrible. it looked horrible. Yeah. yeah. Awful, awful CG. It's like some 3D adventures of Johnny Quest shit, where it's like (laughs) the most polygonized. You get like the textures are about four pixels big. (laughs) Right. I hated that first movie when I first saw it. And then it took me a couple of watches later on to actually start enjoying it. 
Whatever happened to Brendan Fraser? Is he still alive? Oh, he's is dead. He, is he dead? No, no, no I don't he's know. I assume so. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, back to Eddie in Jamaica. What do you, what do you guys uh, think? Another worst movie. Oh, another one. You know, you know, uh, Brendan. I, I wasn't ready for this, but the Brendan Fraser just reminded me that um, one of my favorite terrible movies is Encino Man. <laughs> oh which, my that is God! This yeah. thing that is so crazy. I just went digging through comic books today, and right before we called you up, I was looking at what was it? A uh, Spider-Man comic here from the. That's well, it. Yeah, this is from what November of '92, and the big, big ad on the back of it's Encino Man. <laughs> we were just laughing at it. I remember seeing that and thinking, like, this is going to come up in the show. I can feel it. All right. Tis a sign. I think I might know every word, every single line from Encino Man. <laughs> I think I might have that entire movie memorized. Betty knows. I don't know why I've seen it so many times, but I have. Because Pauly Shore was the that shit was, in the day, Yeah, man. that was one of his highest movies. Oh, that and Son-in-Law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. It, was, it was those two, and that was about it. I, once he, once yeah. he stopped being the weasel and started to, like, become an actor, mm-hmm. it was all over, Pauly. Yeah. Getting the wheeze juice body. Well, what he changed from the weasel to something later for like uh, Biodome. He was something else, wasn't he? Oh, I enjoyed Biodome too. Yeah. No, he kind of played the same character in that movie too. Uh, you're, it, I think he didn't you're use the weasel. A, he used a different animal or something like that. I don't remember. Yeah. It was that was him and uh, Stephen Baldwin were in that one. I think. Yeah. 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 He was he was the Capybara after he was the weasel, <laughs> and then he was the vole, and his joke's going nowhere. So. I think his last movie before he, like, totally dropped off the radar, I don't know if it was in theaters or not, it was, like, Jury Duty or something? It was he probably gets, a sequel, I think. He got, there was a sequel to Jury I Duty? I want to say there was, yeah. That's a shame. I think that's why Jury Duty 2, Duty Harder. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jamaica? I, I came up with a, a pretty bad one. Um, it's called Silent Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> Oh my god, that was like a Christmas Have you guys seen that? That sounds I've heard very of familiar, it. yeah. I think I've seen it on like Netflix or Amazon or something like that, like in the video queue. Yeah. And I, I never watched it because I thought like nothing this movie's going to show me could be as cool as what's going on in my head right now. It's the kind of thing that no matter how stoned you get, you're going to be upset that you're watching it. <laughs> it uh, no this is a waste of good weed, man. <laughs> a guy dressed up as Santa Claus murders a bunch of people. That's about it. Oh, wow. Really pulled out all the stops for that yeah. Uh, yeah. premise there. I was waiting Christmas for like some deep story, but yeah. no, just department store Santa goes on killing rampage. Man. But then there's a sequel. Um, I can't remember what the sequel is called. Silenter Night, two. Deadlier Night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure in part two, it's like one of the kids like starts dressing up as Santa Claus and goes to kill people. Oh, oh, copycat yeah. killers, like a scream kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's really complicated stuff. I'm pretty sure when that movie first came out, um, people protested it at the theaters. Oh, wow. I remember reading something about that, that whenever in the whatever, 1980, whatever, there were there were protests at during screenings of Silent Night, Deadly Night. Some extremely bored <laughs> people with nothing to be angry wow. about that day. Hardcore Santa supporters. <laughs> <laughs> we are the Santa liberation. <laughs> oh my God! They just run around throwing buckets of blood on department store Santa Claus and stuff. <laughs> that beard's not even real. <laughs> oh man! Oh, man. Uh, let's see. We got a few more minutes here. Anybody else have any more? 
Big Trouble in Little China. That mm. is an awesome film. Yes. You're treading on holy ground, my friend. It's. I don't know how popular, if how good it was back in the day, but I've always loved it. And I remember watching, because I had mentioned it, or I read the comic book oh, a while yeah, back. Oh, yeah, that's right. It made me want to watch it again. And it's it's bad now, but it's still so fun. It's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> There's like no point to the whole movie at all. No, no, he's just in the wrong place at the wrong yeah. time. It's I like, well, I guess I'll Kurt Russell this situation for. And a he doesn't while. do anything in the whole movie. No, he's pretty. <laughs> he's, like they get in their big, big climactic battle at the end, yeah. and he fires his gun up the air. And the like, the chunk of the ceiling comes down and knocks him out. <laughs> he For gets up and looks around. Yeah. Everyone's already beat up and laying on the ground. He's just standing there, like, oh, uh, great stuff. I need Jack to uh, watch that movie as much as it comes up on the show, <laughs> so I can finally get in on that uh, big trouble in Little China loop. There, it's the best. Here's a really bad one for you. Now, not that it, this series has been full of good movies, uh, but the Child's Play series. In the 80s, in the height of my buddy coming out and stuff, yeah. Chucky was creepy. He was sure. creepy. But, you know... It's right it, for the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, the idea didn't age well. I still love Chucky, but my God, when they announced the seat of Chucky and I went to the <laughs> movie theater, like, you would have had to really mess it up to make me come out of there thinking I wasted my money. And I came out of there thinking I wasted my money. It took me until this most recent Halloween to finally watch Seed of Chucky. Mm. Oh, my God. Dude. I still haven't seen it because I don't know don't. if I want to do that to myself. No, just it's, you just wonder, you know, like, wow, that hour and a half of my life is gone. <laughs> but they, like, it's the two of them like, uh, had a baby at the end of Bride of Chucky, <laughs> like the little doll baby. And this movie begins with, like, some freak show guy who had obtained the baby and keeps it in a cage and makes it like a uh, he has like a show where he uses a a ventriloquist dummy tries to make the audience think he's like the best ventriloquist Mm. artist in the world but obviously the thing's alive and he's called it he's named it Shitface <laughs> some quality writing. Oh yeah, it was horrible. And like Red Man ended up being in it for some reason. Oh jeez. Oh, right. But um, the thing that sucked was like Jennifer Tilly had been playing uh, Tiffany in Bride of Chucky and right. was killed and put into the doll. Well, in this one, she wants to come out of the doll and back into a human form. So she's like, "Let's go after the actress Jennifer Tilly." And I'll just get in her body because she looks so similar to what I used to look like. <laughs> oh, it's like super horrible. Oh my god! The, mo- so the movie certainly earns points for having John Waters play a disgusting paparazzi member, though. That is hands oh, down the that's... best part, though. I forgot yeah. about that. I Love forgot. You just redeemed it. It's almost too powerful. It's like you can't rip on it. Best movie ever. I always forget about that guy until his name comes up always. Yeah, no, yeah. He's the best. <laughs> Did you see Curse of Chucky, the most recent one? I enjoyed that one. It, it, it so did w- I. went back to the classic format of the Child's Play movie. back to his roots, man. Well, Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky, they go from the victim's perspective to the doll's perspective. You're on a ride with them rather than the victim. So you don't have a doll popping out around You corners. know, I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, I, I guess that is one of the bigger pro. I mean, yeah, and they, God they, knows there are plenty, but that's a big one. They become comedic ho- horror. Right. You know, and this uh, most recent one, it was like a straight-to-DVD and Netflix kind of thing. 
but it went back to that uh, original angle of uh, from the victim. Is it still Brad Dorif? It is. God, he's such a badass. And the main character is played by his daughter. In no kidding. Life. Yeah. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. That was a. It was a pretty good. And uh, little Andy Barkley, the guy who really played him. I don't remember his name at the very end. Has a cameo. Nice. Yeah. As does Jennifer Tilly. And spoiler alert. Oh yeah, the, you're uh, right. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the movie, they bring it all back to the movie that you hate. They tie yeah. it all right back up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, Jennifer Tilly was looking fine in those movies, though, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Mm. Anyway, that got awkward. Really <laughs> <laughs> I always think of Joe's wife from Family Guy when I think of her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot oh, she did that voice. Bonnie. Yeah. I never even made the connection. Like, a part of me knew, like, oh, yeah, that's her. But I didn't really... I don't know. I don't it's know the same if that way with, uh, ruins Joe Joe's too. wife or Jennifer Tilly. I don't know. <laughs> it's the same way with Joe, Patrick yeah, Warburton. Yeah. Yeah. Warburton, yeah. Patrick it's like Warburton. after a while they become their own, yeah. it's like a self-contained thing. Hmm. All right, well, that was pretty fun. A lot of bad movies in there and uh, so many more out there that we'll definitely be touching on this topic <laughs> again. So, uh, yeah. I think we are all dumber for having had this conversation. <laughs> I'll probably never look at V for Vendetta the same again. Yeah. I, yeah I, All right. Sorry about that one. Well, that's okay. That's okay. I think I'll still like it. But I know exactly what you mean. There are some... Uh, Mars Attacks was another... Uh, yeah. Good in the day. Did not age yeah, well. I haven't I seen think, it for a while. I but I crashed and burned the last time I tried to watch it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it <was> horribly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, let's jump into the comic dump bin. I'll go first. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right, go first. I got from Source Point Press Monstrous, which we had Greg Wright on the show with uh, his Kickstarter was going on a couple months ago. Awesome mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. It's a four, four book series, which there's like a central story of what's happening, then it's four separate stories that go on. And what it's about is uh, it's all based around Frankenstein. Dr. Frankenstein made Frankenstein. They didn't get along. They ended up separating. Dr. Frankenstein decided, decided instead of making monsters from bodies, he'll make robots because he can control them better. And then Frankenstein's monster goes and makes monsters. So now they're all the monsters, the robots are all in this big war fighting back and forth. Two great tastes that taste great together. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the robots have become the Franken squad, which is basically like a police. <laughs> In each city, and this little girl named Is- Isla comes into the town. Her father was killed by a monster. She's trying to get the the Franken Squad to go and find that guy. Sounds like an '80s uh, like Saturday morning cartoon. Franken Squad, <laughs> yeah. which I would watch the hell out of. Oh yeah. And the Franken Squad, they're like, yeah, okay. Like if you go and talk to the police about a problem, they'll be like, oh yeah, well yeah, we'll take care of it. Well, she wants him to go do it now, so she goes through like four different supervisors before she talks to Dr. Dr. Frankenstein and they still don't really make it seem like they're going to go do anything. So later on she runs into this monster rabbit named Gruber that's got a wanted sign. Turns out he cheated (laughs) (laughs) he cheated playing poker with the monsters so the monsters framed him saying that he killed somebody. So now the Franken Squad's chasing them and she asks Gruber to kill her father with, or not her father, the monster that killed her father but he doesn't like to kill people That is not the storyline I expected for this series No, it's crazy <laughs> uh, Later on she keeps wanting him to kill but he doesn't want to kill anybody and she ends up having this medallion that I guess her father gave her that 
is it'll shoot some beam and take out anyone. And he keeps telling her, you don't want to kill anyone because then you'll become a monster yourself. So later on, as the story goes, there's a big battle between monsters. Gruber's fighting all these bad monsters. The Franken squad comes up and they see Gruber fighting all these monsters. So they just kind of stand and watch. Then she ends up getting attacked by this big snake guy, which is the one that killed her father. Kills him. The snake bites the girl. Gruber takes the girl, which is dying, to Frankenstein's monster to get fixed. They can't save the girl's arm where she got bit. Now she's got a big monster arm. In the end, she becomes a monster. Mm. That sounds like a victory. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty cool. That makes for some good reading. The artwork... Reminds me a lot of uh, Mike McNola. I was going to say that. It's like McNola. Real heavy shadows. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Really sharp contrast. Yeah, yep. Uh, pretty good. Can't wait to read the rest, and I'll let you guys read them, too. Sweet. Monstrous. Awesome. Uh, Eddie or Jamaica, would either of you like to go next? Um, sure, I'll, I'll go. I, uh, my pick is um, a book called The Linguists by Pete Toms. Uh, it's a. It was. Um, it's self-published by Pete. It's uh, available on Gumroad. And it's honestly probably my favorite comic of last year. It came out at the end of 2015. It's just, it's, Pete Toms is probably the best cartoonist working in comics right now. He's an incredible writer. His writing is incredibly dense and incredibly smart and incredibly strange. I don't even know how to describe it. It's a story about language. It's about a bunch of characters who are just, they're exploring some kind of mystery. I, I can't even really describe how it's a very complicated story, but um, one of the characters is haunted by uh, her family dog that won't stop barking, so she only thinks and barks now. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a an author who writes about linguistics who is constantly mutilating himself, so he's eating his own fingers, he's slaughtering his... He's uh, 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 slashing his own face with glass. He lights himself on fire. He, it's it's a it's a hard one to peg down, but it's brilliant, and um, it's sort of if you combine David Cronenberg with like um, I don't know if you've seen the movies of Quentin Dupoe or Depew. However I am you pronounce so it. sold on this comic right now. <laughs> oh, good. I don't know if there's a level beyond how sold I. Oh, good. Yeah, because I'm not describing it well at all, but it's it's also beautifully drawn. He's he's he draws very simple. Uh, psychedelic sort of art. Um, it's kind of like Daniel Klaus, but trippier and weirder, with with uh, stranger colors. But he's he's honestly, I feel like not enough people know about Pete Toms, and everybody should know about him because he's he's amazing. He really his writing, like aside from just being a really amazing artist, he's as good as any novelist as a writer, and I'm, I'm endlessly impressed by him. Also, his if you follow him on Twitter, he's the funniest guy ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he yeah, makes those are uh, fun people to follow. No, I understand. <laughs> he makes he does these. He, he's sort of like constantly struggling with the idea of social media, which is sort of what this book is about, and and what it means to be so locked into social media. And so his Twitter is just sort of a, a further exploration of those themes. And I don't know, he's fascinating. And I'm, I'm endlessly in awe of Pete Toms. So That's the awesome. linguist, yeah. Very cool. That's going right to look the top of the list. Yeah. yeah. You have to let me read that after you uh, read it. Definitely. Very cool. <clears throat> uh, how about Jamaica? You want to go next? Yeah, I'm ready. Um, I would like to talk about Pretty Deadly. 
Never heard of that one. Um, I think I've heard of that one. It, Have you? I this think. this book is amazing. It comes out from Image Comics. It's written by Kelly Sue DeConnick and uh, drawn by Emma Rios. And uh, it's the second uh, storyline is almost finished right now. Uh, so I had just last weekend picked up volume one so I could just read it all in one big chunk. And as soon as I finished the end of the trade paperback, I went online and downloaded all the rest of the issues so I could be up to date because it was just, it's such a compelling story that I had to find out what was happening next in it. And it's really enjoyable because there's so much story now. And uh, it's, it's very mythological. It has all these different characters in a Wild West setting. Oh, but right. they're down for that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But they've like built this mythology around uh, grim reapers and death and a romance that death had, which is changing the world and the world is dying because of that. And the first chapter, like the first issue introduces you to all these characters. And as you learn how involved they all are in the whole mythology of this world, it just gets like deeper and crazier every every page you read and it's beautiful i was i was showing it to eddie yesterday that the artwork is is so lush and and weird and all the characters and the way that uh emma is like kind of it's a little bit psychedelic like dripping panels into panels and just really like deconstructing the medium it's it's so cool breaking that fourth wall as some people say i think is that that what that yeah 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 Yeah. Man, that Wild West setting is such a good template to introduce weird, crazy concepts. It always uh, it always grabs my attention. Yeah. I love the old West. I, I don't sit down and like watch westerns I or know, anything. I know, but like when but it's there, you're like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh man, that sounds so awesome. So yeah, man, it really does. What was cool it called titles? again? It's called Pretty Deadly. Pretty Deadly. Pretty Look Deadly the and the linguist. It looks pretty pretty good. It's so probably one of those uh, covers that I've seen a million times and just. Uh, I don't know. Oh, no, I, I, I want to say I've, I might have seen it before, but I, I don't know. I'm worried I'm going to walk away from this with, like, two new obsessions. <laughs> like, I only know four people total who are even aware of them. It's like, please, please read. <laughs> <laughs> totally, yeah. This is a good one to spread around because it's, it's awesome. Fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Jake, you want to go next? Yeah, I read... Um, it's, like I said, it's, it's the graphic novel. I guess that would be the right terminology. Mm-hmm. I've always been yeah. fuzzy. Yeah, it's the graphic novel adaptation of Dracula. And it's it's, it's weird to talk about because it's ultimately just Dracula, you know, this this adaptation. And you, Jack, was cool enough to let me borrow it. You said you got this from, it was Comic Bento, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's um, the the cover image grabs you right off the rip it's got like this super high contrast like red moon red landscape and the black silhouette of dracula with the ghost white face it's phenomenal but uh reading this and and i i'd read dracula and i'm a huge fan of the character the concept the historical figure i don't know dracula is an obsession of mine for whatever reason and i think one of the coolest things i can say about it is like this makes it obvious how influential Dracula the book is and I think even like in in terms of how horror movies play out these days like the construction of like the core group of characters here 
they tend to fall into those horror movie archetypes. You've got your scientist, you know, your expert in Van Helsing who knows the myth and the lore and how to handle mm. this. You've, you've got your bruisers and your thinkers and your sneaks. And it, it's interesting you, you see that it's almost like a role-playing game party kind of construct to overcome this great enemy. And and beyond that, just, just the symbolism and, and the, the concepts at work here. I mean, it's it's hard to review the comic because it's pretty much just the book, but uh, I'll, I'll admit, the, the art inside the cover isn't, like, mind-blowing. It's not super innovative or out there. Uh, it's serviceable, but uh, the writing is excellent. I mean, it's, it's not word-for-word word the novel, but uh, I'm just such a fan of the character and what it does for the horror genre. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't beat... I'm losing my train of thought here. <laughs> but one thing I like is, I just got to get this one out of the way. I like that they stuck with, like, the novel interpretation of Dracula as being not necessarily the Bela Lugosi, like, handsome, suave. You know, Blah. not that I don't love that. You know, Bela Lugosi's mm-hmm. awesome. But uh, he's, he's that kind of, he's creepy, kind of withered. He's got a big white mustache, which mm. you don't really think of when you <laughs> no, think Dracula. It's awesome stuff. And there, unfortunately, there's not much I can say about it you can't say about <laughs> The Caesar Romero Dracula. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. vampire, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. But, you know, give it a read. If you haven't read Dracula, this is a great way to do it. A great way to get a feel for that story without committing to the whole thing. Because mm-hmm. the writing can be a little... It's a little heavy Wind to deal and, with now. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of antiquated. Not... I mean, it's it's not so out there that it's, like, obtuse and impossible to get through, but it, it can be troublesome. So I absolutely recommend it. Great stuff. Very cool. All right. Well, my offering this week, uh, I spent the last two days, a couple hours each day, down at the comic book store down the road here just digging through um, old comic books, and I always forget how much fun it is to rummage because mm. you just find some of the coolest stuff. And um, one thing I brought home was a uh, comic book called Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man. I feel like I've seen that title before, but I never really looked into it. It comes from uh, 1984, and where this takes place... Well, first look at the cover. The kingpin uh, in the background separating separating, uh, Spider-Man and Black Cat there. Holds a very uh, 90s cartoon kind of feel to it, but... It opens up. This takes place right after he sheds himself of the Venom suit. Mm. So uh, he's. it starts with him freaking out. You know, he's saying, I have to go talk to the black cat. I have to go talk to Felicia. I don't want to, but I really have to. And he starts complaining about, man, I re- really miss the days where I could just think about my suit being on. It would pop on, and now I have to actually get dressed again and rely on homemade webbing. You know, it just happened. But he's going to confront uh, Felicia Harding about where her powers came from. And she thinks he's there to talk about their relationship. So they're like, Wait, let's, let's go out, uh, you know, on the town, talk this out. So, you know, they go out, they're fighting crooks. And while they're beating the hell out of these people, talking casually about their relationship and stuff like that. But uh, he eventually gets it out of her that... You know, her powers had come from the kingpin. Well, in the side story here, uh, it's the kingpin talking to all his scientists in his lab saying that he lost uh, his muscle, his most recent super-powered, like, protection named the dagger. And uh, his scientists are trying frantically to make a new super-powered person, you know, to be the kingpin's muscle. And this is where it got really cool for me because the animated series is what introduced me 
to the Spider-Man comics. I had I had read comics before, but I'd never really dabbled in Spider-Man or mm. really much of anything Marvel. So that series really started it for me. But when I got into comics, the whole Ben Riley uh, clone series was going on. Picking up this comic book, you can tell this is hardcore inspiration for that cartoon series. And this issue right here was pulled from directly because one of those scientists, while messing with somebody by the name of the Cloaks, actual cloak he's messing with it and opens up this like black circle and he doesn't know if it's a portal or if it's like an actual black hole but when he jumps in it he's in like this dimension of just i don't know kind of like a dalmatian nothing but white but there are these black spots everywhere (laughs) that each of them are like a entry and you you know you go into one black dot you come out another one across the room or something Mm -hmm. But when he comes out, he harnesses that power and becomes the spot, which is where it leaves off and the next issue picks up. But I remember that specifically from that cartoon. And I remember that now that yeah, you were talking about it. Yeah, There are even scenes, panels in this book you know, that I remember vividly in that show. So it was really cool to go back to uh, read the source material for you know, the show that got me into it in the first place. So. Stay true to it, obviously. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. So that's Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man. That's issue 98. Fantastic. Black Cat has powers? She does. And, you know, it's funny you say that because uh, in, the, like, in the cartoon, and, you know, shame on me for not knowing this, but I never delved really into the Black Cat. In the cartoon, it just made her very agile, you know. Yeah, she's a cat burglar. Right. Well, in this... She has the actual, like, unlucky streak of a black cat. If she crosses somebody, they, when they're fighting back, mm. they're going to fumble with their weapons. They're going to, you know, huh. slip on a banana peel or something just because she has instilled that bad luck on them. Okay. I That's didn't, a very abstract power. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's something I didn't know. So you really think of how you're going to use that sometimes. Right. So a very fun read. And, like, throughout the whole issue, you see the symbiote kind of crawling around town. Cool. And, the caption says it's searching for the host, you know, that it first bonded with, and it has the spider eyes, but just slinking around the street through the sewers and the gutters. It's really neat. I've just, been waiting for years to be the next host. Right. I'm not doing anything. My schedule's open. You can go sit out by the gutter there. Maybe it'll come <laughs> up through for you. So head up to New York. That's where it's always <laughs> hanging out at. Make it big in the big apple. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for the comic dump bin. All right, and with that, let's just turn our full attention over to Jamaica and Eddie and talk about Lake Imago. Thanks so much for being with us again, guys. Thank you for having us. I was worried they weren't there. I know. (laughs) (laughs) We dropped them. So before we uh, (laughs) delve too deep into this, why don't uh, you go ahead and tell the listeners about Lake Imago? So Lake Imago is a horror series. Uh, We've put out the first issue. Um, It's the first of six. It's a story about three girls, two sisters, and their friend who go on a camping trip after the two sisters had lost their father. They're sort of going on the trip just for hoping for some stress-free fun, and um, the youngest uh, ends up, this is kind of a spoiler for the rest of this story, but whatever, uh, ends up getting possessed by a forest demon, and um, terrible things happen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was a hell of a fun read, and I was just wondering, I mean, you can tell this little girl's going to go through some kind of a metamorphosis mm-hmm. at some point, yeah. but I wasn't sure where. Now you're saying horror. I'm thinking, okay, that, that sounds <laughs> awesome. 
uh, <laughs> yeah, like earlier, kind of like Jake was talking about with his Dracula book, you know, he wasn't really sold on the art, but the story was great. Not the case with this book. This is a perfect example of something that repeatedly comes up on the show is the perfect marriage of writer and artist. Yeah. And your guys' work complements each other very well. How did you guys come to work together? I had just done my first graphic novel, Weird Fishes, and Eddie had picked it up and he wrote to me on Twitter and he he was writing a novel at the time that I got my hands on and I really liked it. So we just started talking. I liked his writing and he liked my comics. And so I decided to turn my novel, which was called Broken, well, it still it still exists. It's called Broken <laughs> Bulbs. And uh, I, I decided to turn it into a comic book series. And I actually, the first artist I thought of was Jamaica to draw it because her and I just sort of, we thought, I could tell we thought about things the same way. And, and from talking, we definitely like all the same stuff. And I asked her to draw the comic book series and she said no. Uh, oh wow! <laughs> so yeah, um, I, I couldn't do it. I had too much happening. So <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so um, years later, after I had already done that, we, I, I so I, I'm originally from New Jersey. I moved to San Francisco, which is where Jamaica was living, and um, we just went out for drinks one day, and we just started talking about something else, and it was this story. It was like a mago. Oh, wow. So we just decided to finally do it, and so here it is. This this comic is a, uh, you know, I mean, all comic books are art, but I think this comic would call, qualify as, like, fine art. I mean, would you not, guys not agree with me? Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, it's gorgeous. I, what, I, what I really like about it is, and I've been trying to find the right word for it, but I feel like this one kind of undersells it, but dreamlike is the phrase that comes to mind. Okay. I think the... Angles are kind of smooth, even when they're severe. It, it gives it a kind of a like surreal quality that I really, really like in things like this, especially as it pertains to this story. I think having the division between reality and even like delusion be a little blurred. That's that's really right. it's it's. I, I like that idea, you know, of mm-hmm. things being kind of insubstantial is not the word, but but hazy, you know, dreamlike. Sure. There and there's uh, parts, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way. But like in the beginning, when they're in the car, there are just certain shots that kind of remind me of like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas a little bit. Did, did you get that at all? I see like, where you're coming. Your from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trip, but it's very, uh, very inviting. I guess I was the word. I'm, I had trouble with it too. I always try to think of something I'm to compare to. Trying to find it to, the right phrase, but. but I can't, and I think that's a good thing. It stands on its own. It's uh, it's very original, evocative. That's the word. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So how how far do you see this going? I mean, this is chapter one that we've read here. How many chapters chapters do you have planned? Uh, we have six planned right now. We have the story completely planned out. We know where it's. We know the beginning, the middle, and end. But yeah, so we're we're gonna do it in six. It could keep going after that, but I, I don't know if that'll actually happen. Yeah, maybe. Well, you have yeah. to see what kind of steam it picks up, but it, uh, yeah. it's probably going to be uh, pretty pretty good, I would I imagine. I so, love this yeah. book. One thing that really uh, stood out to me is when, whenever I pick up, like, pick up a black and white comic book, I don't know. It's I prefer color, typically. But the challenge with a black and white comic book that, for instance, like the Ninja Turtles for me, 
is uh, the story has to pull your attention away from the fact that there aren't there isn't any color, you know. Yeah. And two pages into this, you you don't even think about no, it. You and when it. you kind of think back onto it, you kind of re- at least I remember it with color. I've never really had that happen before. Does that just sound weird? Does it sound like I'm on drugs or something? No, it just flows really <laughs> well. So you don't you don't really even think about that whole part. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm just a big dork for hard contrast, just black and white. So I love that like aesthetic of just here is something here is nothing yeah creating something instead of trying to put too much shadowing in there and then you just end up making confusion i'd much rather see something underdone than overdone yeah Yeah, exactly i can't not that this is underdone or anything i can't stop coming back to the one of us one of us (laughs) (laughs) now you guys uh, just i'm sorry go ahead about the color thing that um, we had, I had done a few pages in color uh, and we tried it out and it looked good, but it just didn't feel right for the story. Sure. Uh, just being able to push that contrast and really like, really like have that room to go as dark as we need to go in the next few chapters was just, it worked really well with black and white. I'm and I love the yeah, kind absolutely. of retro feel that it brings to the whole story. That's really cool you say that. I mean, black and white does fit the the tone for what these characters are dealing with. That's a that's an interesting perspective. I didn't think about that. It's it's just right for it. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, you know, by the end of it, I wasn't even thinking about that. It just it was so much fun. I loved it, and I can't wait to see what happens next with it. Um, but what I was going to say is, I saw, and I think it was on your guys' Facebook that you did a uh, a record store day signing of the comic book in is there an album as well or like a soundtrack or something for this book yes um my my good friend james syme who runs isotope comics i had sent him the book and he was really excited about it and uh we were trying to figure out which day that we could do a signing there and it happened to be record store day that uh we could all do it and uh so he got all excited about it and decided he was going to do a track um inspired by this first issue and so in the course of a week uh, he got together with his band and they made this really cool uh, musical track that he then burnt onto little uh, mini CDs and uh, so we had them at the signing it was super cool cool. I've gone out religiously uh, for the past I don't know seven years with some friends on record store day rummaging through old records and this year the the one person that's typically the drive for the occasion had to cancel. So me and my other friends just kind of made it a record store slash comic book slash buying toys day. And it was really cool. But it would have been awesome to find something like uh, like you guys out there on, on record store Wouldn't day. Wouldn't that have been wild around. to just run into it? Yeah. You know? well, <laughs> bring it back. I always enjoy when uh, people make like a soundtrack or some kind of like an audio accompaniment to... A comic book. There's so few of them out there, and uh, I was going to say that it. more people need to start doing it. But at the end, when everyone would start doing it, it would kind of take away from it with some stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but it but, is great when you can when, when a story or a concept can like jump media, yeah. and then they kind of feed each other. They become more than the sum of their parts. You know? Exactly. Because there's certain I don't I don't want to say emotions. That sounds dorky, but feelings and ideas and, and things you want to convey that sometimes they don't work in exactly. words, sometimes they don't even work in images. It's something that has to be heard. And when you can combine words, images, sound, and they work together, when they feed off each other, right? that's awesome. You know, it doesn't happen enough. 
I just worry that maybe I read too slow and the music will <laughs> oh, yeah. like the, I won't be at the same part of the song. It's like a new layer of stress. The yeah. Gotta keep up. Gotta, gotta keep like, up. It starts picking up right there in your middle. Like I'm not even at the climax. I don't yeah, understand this. Yeah. I saw a comic book today that would probably give you a heart attack in that same uh, area. It was a uh, Megadeth comic book where the writer oh, took three Megadeth songs and. I mean, the bubbles and everything you read are the lyrics from the songs, mm. but you're watching that artist's interpretation of the song, so... That'd be yeah. cool. Yeah, it looked cool. I'm not a big Megadeth fan, but that does yeah, sound like something yeah, I'm yeah. experiencing. Yeah. Sounds cool, though. Yeah. But anyway, that was a that was a pretty uh, neat idea. Again, love when there's audio accompaniments. So do you, do you guys uh, get out to conventions very often? Yeah, we, we've done a, a bunch this year so far. We've, we were... Uh, I think we've done three or four so far, and we've done a couple of signings. And we're going to be at um, SPX in September. But, yeah, we, we've uh, I've been going to a bunch over the past couple of years, and then we've been doing them together all this year since we put out this book. But um, I think we have a lot more in our future after. We've been doing a lot, though, all in a row. They're kind of exhausting and kind of oh, terrifying. Yes. It takes a toll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're they're very awkward, but they're they're really fun and really they're always really uh uh they always energize you to want to keep doing stuff, but at the same time it's I don't know yeah. for me I probably shouldn't be saying this but it, no, 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 no 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 I think everyone's aware yeah. of it at some level like these things are ultimately yeah. awkward and kind of terrible but it's yeah. worth it we <laughs> we did our first con just a few weeks ago and. Uh, I know exactly what you mean. It, it is kind of awkward sometimes. You know, if somebody's not buying into your pitch right away, you just you feel like there's a big spotlight on you. And then there's the few people that you get from the whole weekend that just stand out. Like, you could almost start writing a book from all your con, con oh, experiences. Yeah. Like, I encountered this person at this con, and this is what he did. But, like, we were selling... Had a couple of those. Yeah, we were selling comic books uh, from uh, Think Alike Productions. So the artist, uh, for one of the books in particular, the guy was interested in wasn't there. Which one of you guys are the artist? Oh, none of us are the actual artist, but... And as we went to proceed... Uh, okay, I don't want to hear no more. Just walked away. <laughs> well, I got that. Uh, tell me about this book. Well, this book is blah, blah, blah. No, don't tell me anymore. Yeah, he's like, yeah. oh, please stop. Please stop. Okay. What do you want from me? <laughs> You know, I tell you what, though, my favorite thing about conventions is like the one we did and the ones I went to just as a regular schmuck walking around. Mm -hmm. They're honest. God damn it. You know, I was at a war games convention in Indianapolis, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and shit like that. And I had to, like, make a detour through a mall that had been closed down to make space to get to, like, the next, like, hall. And I remember being in the convention hall and seeing everybody hawking their wares. Oh, I made this shirt. I made this blanket or whatever, you know, just whatever they're making. And then seeing the ads in the mall and the style of advertisement, you know, making you feel worse about yourself so you buy something. (laughs) In the convention, no one's trying to tell you you're a piece of shit. Everybody's pretty much in it together. Mm -hmm. They want to sell you something because they like it, they think you'll like it. Everybody's having a good time, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's honesty in that. And I think that's what I like the most. This is a tangent I just went off on. No, I I totally agree with you. It it definitely is. Make sure you wash your hands you know, oh, yeah. frequently <laughs> while you're there. Not it seems a like every time I, of hygiene, you know. No, 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 no. Every time I come home from a convention, I always feel crappy, especially this last time. I, <laughs> boy, was, I had it bad. It was pretty crunchy. Yeah, it was no horrible. getting around it. I'll go on record saying that the only person I try to make feel like shit at a convention is me. 
So, um, <laughs> any, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, I will never do that to anyone. So, <laughs> yeah, it just it just pushes you off the story. I I'm not going to name any names or any titles here, but uh, there was a title I was really really into, an independent title, and uh, the artist was mm. at uh, one of the conventions we were at. And uh, didn't have a lot of activity at his table, and I went over and just wanted to kind of geek out for a little bit. Love your series. Want to get you on the show sometime. And just could have acted less interested. Like, yeah. but just went back to reading a book, and I thought, why the hell are you here? If you just came to read, aren't you here to make money and promote? But it just really pushed me off the story. You have to make a good impression with these people, you know? And, you know, to pass up the chance to talk to someone that loves your work... I didn't isn't understand that. Isn't such that. an awesome part of creating something? Yeah. You know, isn't, yeah. Maybe I'm just such an attention whore that when I think of creating <laughs> something, it's all about what people are going to say about it. But, but I, I feel like take advantage of that. Enjoy it. Revel in that moment. Oh, yeah. Someone wanted to come up and talk about the show. I'd be, I'd be like, beside oh my, myself. Please, like, pull I'm, up a chair. Yeah. Can I'll I buy you lunch? Fucking ear off. Yeah, well, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> you like us? Wow. <laughs> we have a fan? <laughs> Are you from Narnia? <laughs> yeah, you're definitely just shooting yourself in the foot if you don't treat anyone who comes up to your table as the most important person at that moment. Absolutely. And it it takes guts if they've to heard of your stuff or they haven't, like it's awesome to talk to them. And I've had so many times where it turns out it's someone that I do know online. And I, oh, if I really? hadn't engaged in the conversation, I wouldn't realize, like, oh, you're that artist that I love, or you're that publisher that I've been like admiring from afar. Like, that's everyone awesome. I convention is on like an even field, and you just yeah, have that's to the best part. be stoked to meet everyone because everyone is pretty amazing. There. I mean, yeah. If you're going to come to a social gathering of like-minded people and then not <laughs> gather with those people, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can all be socially awkward. That's oh, sure. kind of the given, but, but you know, right. with a smile if you can. <laughs> Power through, grit your teeth. Oh well, everyone can check out uh, Lake Imago at www.lakeimago.com, and then you can check out what Jamaica Dyer is doing at jamdye.com. You can check out what everything Eddie's up to at eddie right. Dot com. Is that right, dash, or is that a hyphen? Or I want to make sure it's right. Dash, I think. Dash, dash. okay. It's a dash, or I think that, yeah, they're both good. Don't spell out the word dash in between. Eddie, <laughs> Eddie dash, dash right. <laughs> that was his nickname, nickname in high school. I was, yeah, I was really fast. That was a very, very fast. <laughs> Beat you to it. Joke. Uh, guys, <laughs> hey, come on now. Come on, I had to. It was right no, there. I you primed I, me. I'm going to let this one slide. Okay, just this once. <laughs> now, you guys are on uh, oh, like Twitter, too, right? I don't have your handles written down. Uh, oh, yeah. You can say yours first. <laughs> I, I'm at Jamdy, J-A-M-D-Y-E. And I'm uh, at Eddie Wright, E-D-D-I-E-W-R-I-G-H-T-8-6. Perfect. There you go. So uh, many different avenues for you to check out uh, everything these guys are up to. Thanks so much for being on the show with us. We've uh, had a heck of a great time. Yeah, thank you. This yeah, was thank great. you very much. Yeah, this was fun. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to cannedairpodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all, all our social media, visit the Hall of Heroes and see the Wall of Justice, go to our videos page and see some of our YouTube videos. And if you want to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contact page. Don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. J- uh, Jake's really been uh, getting the Instagram 
back to life, well, you breathing know, air into I do it. what I do. Uh, you know, I, Twitter and I can do Twitter more so than Instagram, but I'm just not good at it. I'm it's a tricky horrible beast. At I'm just media. throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, and I've been lucky that most of it's sticking. Right most now. of it's <laughs> sticking. Most of it's sticking. So uh, kudos to you, my Thank friend. Thank you. Don't forget to check out some of the other shows on uh, conradio.com. Uh, what else we got on there? Figur- figuratively speaking, uh, Con Smash. Gamers Dominion. Gamers Dominion. Every Hall- day is Halloween. Hall of Game Justice. Fix. Game Fix. Lots of good shows good on there. Good lads at Game Fix. Yeah, they are. And we're uh, going to be collaborating with them in July oh, when Wizard wait. World comes to That's town. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Well, this place, this small room is going to be packed <laughs> with so many Wizard World people. It's going to be... Uh, we're gonna have to move. You get that land party effect when you get a bunch of dudes and it's about 106 degrees indoors. Yes, I got the window fan all there primed and ready. All right, uh, but until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Jake Runyon. Uh, I'm Jamaica Dyer. I'm Eddie Wright. Thanks for listening, everyone. where he keeps the good stuff. You don't need drugs to get high. Talk! You just need the Canned Air Podcast. That's good advice. Now we know. And no one is half the battle. Just one question. What are you doing outside the window? <laughs> Tell your mama to call me. G.I. Joe! You guys next. Getting the Wheaties juice <laughs> box. Yeah. Uh... Sorry, I thought we were done. I was just kind of listening. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. 
Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 